Good morning, church, family, in the Lord good. I said in the Lord good. Better than we deserve, huh? So good, so good. Well, hey, turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. While you're turning there, if I could, I just want to give you guys a little bit of an update on where we are with our heart for the house. That's what we're calling uh, this time of us raising uh, this money in order for us to have a church home. But first, let me just say this, because I do recognize that there are some guests here, and I want to also just jump in with what Pastor Daniel said and welcome our guests that are here. And so once again, guys, uh, if we can just let them know, man, we, we just love that you took your time to come to be a part of worship with us uh, today. And uh, But for those of you that are with us, I thought I would just give you a little bit of a history that Destiny Church was birthed about 11 and a half years ago. And during that time, we have seen hundreds of salvations, of baptisms. We've been blessed to be a part of building seven churches in other countries. Come on. We've witnessed a beautiful community come together and grow. And can I just tell you, I could not be more proud to be called the pastor of this church. I'm so proud of you guys. And uh, amen, amen, amen. It's okay to clap in this church. We're not Presbyterian, all right? <laughs> but now is the time, church, for us to move to the next thing that God has called us to. Watch this. The des Destiny Church vision is, is this. The Destiny Church exists to advance the kingdom of God in our homes, in our city, and our world. And watch this. We fully intend on carrying out this mission. Now watch this, for the last 11 years, uh, we've been meeting in a theater, which has served us in many ways, but it has not fully allowed for us to be able to carry out all that God has called us to. See, we need to have a place where we can more effectively serve our community, a place where we can have a house of prayer, a place where we can have worship and fellowship, a place that will be dedicated to be making Jesus known to our community, ultimately a place that we can call home. Now watch this, because a building alone won't accomplish that. But whenever you pull together a couple of hundred spirit-filled believers who are passionate about community and who want to be a part of an authentic community um, and as well as committed to building kingdom causes, guys, nothing is impossible. Nothing's impossible. But watch this, in order for that dream to become a reality, it's going to take each and every one of us. Now, I know that I've told many of you this, but just for those that may not have been with us, our goal is to raise $600,000 by Sunday, November the 5th. And watch this, that is no easy task. And in order for us to reach this goal, it is going to require each and every one of us giving sacrificially. But friends, can I just say that I cannot think of a single thing on this planet that's greater but than giving to the advancement of the kingdom of God, amen, and seeing people transform and coming to know Jesus. And so here's what I want to ask. I want to ask for each and every one of you to give as much as you can toward this dream. 
Now watch this. Uh, again, these are words you've never heard from me before, but I believe that what God has already started here at Destiny Church is going to be even more exciting than what is to come. Last week, I had shared with you about what pledge cards are. Now, i got to be honest. I didn't know what a pledge card was, right? Um, and so I had to learn. So I'm, I'm kind of walking this thing out and learning myself. But um, pledge cards, uh, and you're going to see them at the end of each year of your roles, um, or rows, they are us basically saying, I am going to give towards this. And once we get those pledge cards, what it does for us, and I didn't even realize this, like if we get those pledge cards, like banks will even count that towards being able to get a loan. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that. Anybody know that? I'm just curious. Nick, of course you knew that. <laughs> but I didn't realize that. And so, but it also helps us to just understand the resources that are going to be available to us, right? And, and to help us to make uh, plans. And so each week I've promised that I would just let you guys know where we stand. And so if you want, uh, media team, if you go ahead and throw that image up. I know the light's kind of blaring it out a little bit here. But this I'm going to bring each week. And this is where we are as of today. So our goal is 600000 You can see on the left. So far, we've raised 20000 Come on. That's not a bad start. Got a long way to go, but hey, that's awesome. And we've already had uh, $5,500 pledged. Now, I think that's only been just a couple of pledge cards that came in, and that's because last week I just told you guys about those pledge cards. And so I do want to encourage you to take those. I know that many of you are already praying through what it is that you want to give, uh, but if you would put that on that pledge, that helps us in a lot of different ways. Um, also, I want to share one more thought, because whenever I say the word sacrificial giving, that does mean that it's going to be an amount that you're going to feel. But guys, watch this. This is our all-in buy right here as a church. This is the one time where we say, you know what, I'm going to give to where it hurts, right? And Jody and I, we're making the same commitment as you guys, right, to where we're going to give so that we can make this dream a reality and where we can build something that is going to outlive each and every one of us. And can I just let you know that in your giving, and I want to encourage you with this, you cannot outgive God. I'm telling you. And, and the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. To those who give, the scripture promises to give back. As a matter of fact, Jesus says these very words in Luke chapter 6 and 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And watch this, I have been praying over each and every one of your finances. I mean, I'm not I'm joking, I'm like, Lord, like, send them, like, inheritance that they don't even know that's coming. Like, let, let, let money come their way. And, and so I've been praying over my finances, praying over your finances uh, during this time. And you know what I believe is going to happen? Watch this. I believe that not only we as a church body, I believe that we're all going to see miraculous provisions taking place as we give. I believe there's going to be testimonies that's going to come as a result of those who have sacrificially given. Amen? Okay, everyone should be in the book of Colossians by now, right? Now let me just bring up to speed uh, those that are just joining us. We have been on a series called Unhindered. And I chose this series title because I feel like it so accurately uh, reflects how we should approach our faith and our walk with Christ. The dictionary defines unhindered as not slowed down or obstructed, free from obstacles. 
And that's precisely at the heart of what we've been exploring here in the book of Colossians. In this letter, Paul writes to the church at Colossae. And in his message, it's all about how to live an unhindered life in Christ. And he shows us how to break free from the things that might slow us down or obstruct our faith walk. Last week, we talked about how that Christ is the image of the invisible God and how that all things are created by him and for him, which is a comforting truth because it tells me that God isn't this distant deity who created us and then moved on to something else. The fact that it says all things were created by him, and even more importantly, for him, tells us something about the nature and the character of God. Because you see, God very much loves his creation. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And it's important for you to know this truth about God. He loves all of his creation. And to all who would call upon his name, he grants salvation. Now, that's a good place for you guys to say amen this morning. Y'all awake. Thank God for salvation. Friends, watch this. God's love isn't passive. It's active. It was active whenever he died on the cross, paying for our sin debt, and it's still active today. You say, how? Because he has given us his precious Holy Spirit. That's why the scripture says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Acts 17, 28. Which is a perfect transition for where we left off last week uh, in Colossians. I think we read Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Colossians 1, 17 says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, last week we talked about Christ being before all things in verses 15 and 16. And I I taught you a theological word uh, called preeminence, which essentially means uh, a position of highest rule and authority. And now here in verse 17, Paul couples that truth with another truth. He said, in him, that is in Christ, all things hold together. This perfectly aligns with what we read in Acts, that in him we live, we move, and we have our being. But it means more than that, because everything exists, moves, and functions because of Christ. You see, it's not just the physical creation, but the very fabric of existence itself is because of him. Your life, my life. And everything that we know finds its coherence in him. From the smallest subatomic particle to the grandest galaxies, it's all sustained by his power. Now watch this. That truth right there should just cause you to stand in awe. I mean, whenever I consider how great God's creation is, I don't know about you, but When I try to comprehend the grandeur of all that, like I know I often feel small and insignificant. Yet Colossians 1.17 reminds us that in Christ, we are intimately connected to the creator of all things. Our existence is not random or purposeless. It's intricately woven into God's divine plan. 
a plan that extends far beyond just cosmic significance. It's deeply personal because in Christ, our lives find meaning and purpose. You see, he holds together the broken pieces, the shattered dreams, and the messy moments. When we feel like falling apart, he is the glue. He is the glue that keeps us intact. And so as we navigate our lives, remember that we do so in Christ. We're not just out on our own, just trying to survive, but we have a helper, an advocate, a very present help in the time of trouble. See, whether you're facing challenges, difficulties, or even joys, you're held together in him. Church, let this truth bring you comfort and confidence. I know that there are times in my life where I feel like falling apart, but watch this. The only way that you can truly fall apart is if you're trusting yourself to keep it all together. Jesus spoke to this very thing in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. How many know that it's very important that you know the word of God, but it's just as equally important that we put the word of God into practice? He says, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. And how many of you know the rain's going to come? Look, I'm telling you. It's, it, it, the rain come down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it's had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus says that these are people who know what to do. They're just not doing it. So I think that's probably talking to the church. Anyone who ever puts these words or hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So in other words, he thought, oh, everything's good. I know what to do. Didn't put it into practice, but I know what to do. So I can just go ahead and build my life on what I know. Oh, friend, don't lean on your own understanding. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice like it's a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, in case you're not catching the deeper meaning of this allegory, we are that house, that oikos, right, in Greek. We are that house that Jesus is talking about. The question is, are we going to build our life upon the rock, which is Jesus, or are we going to build on some other foundation, like our best efforts, or our connections, or who we know? See, this is where many people have crashed, because if we look to ourselves to keep everything together in our lives, I have to tell you that you simply don't have the power to pull that off. And the sad thing is, is that I see Christians, Christians do this over and over again. I'm talking about believers who try to navigate life's storms and challenges and even life's blessings, but they do so by solely relying on their own wisdom and efforts. And it's just like Jesus said, it's, trying, it's like trying to build a sturdy house on shifting sand. Let me be clear to you, friends. We cannot do it alone. 
no matter how strong or how capable we think that we are. But hey, here's the good news. We don't have to do it alone. We don't have to depend solely on our own strength. We possess the unshakable foundation, which is Christ. Then in addition to that, we have this beautiful thing called the church, which is the body of Christ. Friends, can I just let you in on a little secret? We were never intended just to gather together on Sunday mornings. I mean, look, I'm grateful for our time here together uh, on Sunday mornings, but that alone will not build community. See, some of you, you need to uh, link up with other believers, those of you that are feeling the weight of the world and linked together, come together, share a meal with one another, pray with one another, encourage one another. Are you with me? See, watch this. Even in me saying that, I think there are a lot of people who would say, well, I wish someone would invite me over. No, you go invite them. Because watch this. If everyone in this room is thinking, well, I wish someone would invite me, then community never gets built. Listen, community requires intentionality. Let me say it again. Community requires intentionality. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. And it won't happen if everyone is always waiting for someone else to make the move. Are y'all hearing me on this church? But even when we're talking about community, even it must be built upon Christ's foundation. Now maybe you're wondering, okay, but how do we practically build our lives on this unshakable foundation that you're talking about, Pastor? And how do we ensure that we're not trying to keep it together on our own? Well, if you ask that question, uh, you're likely to get uh, tons of different answers from different people. But I can tell you what I know for sure. It starts with surrender. It starts with uh, acknowledging that we need Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, hear me on this, church, because I, he- I see believers all the time like, yeah, amen, I agree with that. Did you hear what I said? We need Christ in every aspect of our lives. Because the area that you're letting leaven in, that little leaven's going to leaven the whole lump. Are you with me? I mean, in whatever area that you're allowing compromise, that's where weakness is going to reside. And guess what? That's where the enemy is going to come through the gate, where that weakness is. We have to submit every area. We need Christ in every area. We need Christ in our marriages. We need Christ in our parenting. We need Christ in our jobs. Hey, look, I need Christ whenever I'm driving on 295 or else I'd end up in jail. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? All my Jacksonville people that in another state, like, I don't get it. Drive in Jacksonville and you will. (laughs) Oh, help me, Jesus. Answered my own altar call many times driving on 295. God forbid you have to drive through 95 downtown. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. But again, what's that practically mean? Well, first of all, it means seeking him daily. Now, watch this. Because I know as sure as I'm standing out here, there's people who are like, really? Like, that, that's the message today, Chris? Well, I'm just asking you, are you doing it? Hmm? I said daily. Give us this day, our what? 
Was that what Jesus said? Oh, Jesus said that. So it's okay for the preacher to get up here and to remind you that, right? Daily. Y'all going to eat today? Yeah. You better eat spiritually today, too. You going to eat tomorrow? Yeah. You better feed yourself, feed your spirit. Because what happens if your body uh, doesn't get fed? Your body gets weak. What do you think happens to your spirit if you're not feeding your spirit, man? Your spirit gets weak. You're open. You're vulnerable. Are you with me? Again, what's this mean practically? It means seeking him daily. Watch this. I've said this to you many times, but there is no substitute for time spent with God. As a matter of fact, anything that you place as a substitute is just a counterfeit. And here's the thing about a, a counterfeit. Like, it might pass a few times. It might even appear as if it is the solution to all of your problems. But I can promise you with absolute certainty that it's just a matter of time before you're caught. And by caught, I mean you're caught in something that eventually reveals its true nature. So what's the alternative? How do we avoid relying on counterfeits? Well, it all circles back to surrender. You see, surrender to Christ. Church, that means that we are limited, imperfect, and in need of his guidance and strength in every aspect of our lives. And watch this, this surrender, it isn't just this one-time event, but it's a daily practice. It's acknowledging that without him, we're just navigating life on our own. Like a, a ship adrift in a stormy sea. Now catch this, because I understand that this process of surrender and seeking, it's not always easy. Like it requires humility, trust. And a willingness for us to let go of our self-sufficiency. It means recognizing our need for him and embracing his lordship in every area of our life. But when we do so, we then get to experience the power of what Paul wrote to the Colossians when he said, It's in him that all things hold together. Let's read a few more verses here in Colossians. Colossians 1, let's read verses 18 through 20. It goes on to say about Jesus, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in everything, I'm sorry, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, there's that word we've been talking about there, preeminence, right? For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now, I want us to just pause here for a second. Paul goes on to provide further validation as to what he stated earlier, that Jesus is indeed God in the flesh. Now, what's remarkable about this is that he didn't say, for in him a portion of God was pleased to dwell. No, it explicitly says, for in him, in Jesus, all, everybody say all, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now, I'm emphasizing this point because there are many Christians who have yet to grab hold of the truth of who Jesus is. 
Yet recognizing that Jesus is undoubtedly God forms the unshakable bedrock of our faith. And not only is he God, man, he is a good God, isn't he? Good God. Come on, a God who didn't, he didn't have to give us anything because we didn't deserve anything. As a matter of fact, if he were to give us what we deserve, we would all end up lost and alone, separated from him throughout all of eternity, which is the scariest thought that I could ever possibly imagine. But the good news is that he came to earth to reconcile us to himself and to bridge the great gap before, uh, between our great sinful nature and his great holiness. Hey, this right here, by the way, is the heart of the gospel. And it's what Colossians 1, 19 and 20 goes on to say when it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Paul is essentially telling us Jesus came as God in the flesh to reconcile all things to himself. Now, what does that mean? Well, first you have to consider how great the separation was between creation and creator. It was a divide that was so vast and seemingly insurmountable. It was a chasm that had been formed by rebellion and the disobedience of humanity. Our sinful nature distanced us from the holiness of God. And watch this, no human effort could bridge that gap. But God. Come on, I said, but God. In his infinite love and mercy, devised a plan to reconcile us to himself. And this plan wasn't just a casual gesture, church. It was a divine mission that required the most significant sacrifice imaginable. I've been using the word sacrifice a lot when we're just talking about with our finances. But the sacrifice that he made, wow. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. Now, I know that many of you are well aware of the price that Jesus paid for our sin, but watch this. I'm compelled as a minister of the gospel to share with those who may not know. You see, the cross that Jesus endured, it was a brutal instrument used for execution, designed to inflict maximum suffering on those who were crucified. It wasn't just a wooden structure. It was a symbol of the harshest form of punishment in the Roman world. The process of crucifixion began with Jesus being stripped from his clothing, leaving him exposed to both the elements and the mockery of onlookers. His hands, they were stretched out and nailed to the horizontal beam of the cross. The nails were driven through the palms severing delicate nerves and causing excruciating pain. Next, his feet were placed one on top of the other, and a single nail was driven through the vertical beam of the cross. This position made it incredibly difficult for the crucified person to breathe, forcing them to, to push up on the nail for them to take their breath, only then to sink back into agony as the pain of their hands intensified. As Jesus hung on the cross, gravity pulled his body downward, putting immense strain on his chest muscles. This made each breath a laborious, 
painful struggle. And over time, exhaustion and asphyxiation, it would begin to set in, causing a slow and agonizing death. But the physical suffering was only part of the torment. Crucifixion was not only designed to cause intense pain, but also to humiliate and shame the victim. Jesus, the Son of God, endured this public degradation, ridiculed and scorned by those who passed by. Yet even in the midst of unimaginable physical and emotional agony, Jesus demonstrated incomprehensible love and forgiveness. He spoke words of grace, offering salvation to the thief on the cross next to him, and forgiving those who were crucifying him. The cross and all its gruesome reality, church, it serves as a powerful reminder of the depths of Christ's sacrifice for all of us. It was the ultimate price that was paid for our redemption and an act of unimaginable love and grace which is offered to all who would believe. Listen to what Paul says next in Colossians 1, 21 and 22. He says, and although you were previously alienated and hostile in attitude, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in the body of flesh through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Wow. Now that right there, let's unpack this. Paul is letting us know just exactly where we came from, that we were once far from God, alienated, that our hearts were filled with hostility and we were entangled in all kinds of evil deeds. I mean, like this was the state of each and every one of us before we came to know Christ. But God sent Jesus to come and to pay the ultimate sacrifice by reconciling us to himself. And the thing that's so mind-blowing to me is that we did nothing to deserve his love and grace. It reminds me of a story that I heard many years ago of a well-respected judge who had earned a reputation for being fair and just in his courtroom. He was known for his integrity and unwavering commitment to upholding the law. And among his many acquaintances, he had one best friend, John, whom he had known since childhood. One day, to the surprise of everyone in town, John found himself in the judge's courtroom facing a serious legal matter. The townsfolk couldn't help but to wonder how the judge would handle the case given his close friendship with John. As the trial began, it became very evident that he was not showing any favoritism. In fact, it seemed uh, to be he seemed to be particularly strict and stern with John, imposing the harshest penalties and fines allowable by the law. The spectators in the courtroom, they were perplexed, unable to comprehend why, why the judge was treating his friend so severely. Once the trial had concluded and John was led out of the courtroom, the judge, still in his robes, quietly walked down the hallway to the clerk's office. There he requested the necessary paperwork 
and he promptly paid the hefty fine that he had just imposed on his friends. Now, this story right here is a powerful reminder, first and foremost, that God is just in his judgment and that no one escapes from them. But it also goes to show the kindness of God and the length that he went to to pay our debt. We've but to accept this incredible gift of God's love and grace. And here's where I want to bring today's message home. My life and your life, they are being built on something. Now, maybe you've never considered that before, but my job is to get you to consider it and to let you know that any foundation that is not Christ is simply shifting sand which will not hold up against the inevitable storms of life. So here's what I want to ask right now. I want to ask who's here today, and you have yet to make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. If you have never taken that step to surrender your life to Jesus, to acknowledge him as your Lord, I want to invite you to do so right now. And just in case you're wondering, Uh, Yes, Jesus accepts you just as you are. Jesus didn't die for perfect people. Are you hearing me? He came to die for sinners. And so if you're here and you want to take that step and receive the love, the forgiveness, and the transformation that Jesus offers, I want to invite you right now to pray with me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer of surrender, one that says to God, God, I need you. I've been building my life on a weak foundation, and it's not been holding up. I love to say this to people. I say, how's that working for you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Yeah, really? Really? How's that working for you? I'll tell you what. I've tried all the things in the world, and the things of the world don't work. They are counterfeit at best. But you can have a sure foundation, friends. You can have a sure foundation. You can have not only the promise of eternity in heaven. And thank God if that was all that God ever did for us was forgive us of our sins and write our name in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Eternity's a long time and hell is hot. Come on. Thank God. But watch this. He's done so much more for us than that. He is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. He promises us to, to be free from fear so that we can accept his peace, that we could go out in joy, be led forth in peace, and his joy becomes our strength. We are not left alone. And as I said earlier, hallelujah, he's given us the body of Christ as well. And so if you're ready to surrender your life to Christ, and I know that there are many of you in this room that you have already made that commitment to Christ. You've surrendered your life to him. But I'm speaking to the, maybe the, the few that are here or the, that are watching online that you have never fully surrendered. Maybe you've attended church for a long time. Maybe you've been attending for years, but inside, there's just been some areas that you've been holding on to. What today's message is, and if you've heard it, I said it probably about 20 times, it's to surrender every area. Every area. Not just, oh, let me just pray a prayer and praise God I get to go to heaven. No, surrendering every area. 
So I pray right now by the power of the Holy Ghost that God will even just show you what that area is that you've been holding on to, that you have not surrendered to his lordship. Friend, if you will surrender that to him, if you will surrender it to him, you're going to find freedom. It's the key. I'm, I'm, I, as a minister of the gospel, I'm telling you the key to finding freedom is in surrender. It all circles back to surrender. We've got to let go and let God have his way. And if we will, owe oh, the things that he will do. Amen? If that's you and you're like, I need to surrender this area of my life and I choose to do that right now then I'm going to lead you in a prayer of surrender right now. And I'm going to ask all of us to join in. Would you all stand to your feet with me as we pray this prayer? Go ahead and stand to your feet. And we're going to pray this prayer of surrender out loud. And here's what it is. It's one that acknowledges Jesus' lordship. Right? The scripture teaches us that we are to declare with our lips Jesus as Lord. That if we will confess with our lips, believe in our heart, then we will experience that salvation. That's, that, that's the first step. But then we go out and we take the words, as Jesus said today, and we put them into practice. And then we begin to walk in the plan and the purpose of God. And man, aren't you so glad that we get to be called into the plan and purpose of God? Come on, we're not just, you know, like, uh, what do they call that on the movies whenever uh, the, the background actors, right? Like, he has a significant role for you. Watch this, a role that only you can carry out. There are people in your life, if I can just say it this way, I know it may sound a little strange, but you are to be the hero in someone's life. And you may think that's crazy. There's no one in my life. I'm 12 years old. I'm, I'm 16 years old. I'm, I'm 80 years old. No, I assure you that there is someone that God wants to use you to reach. But watch this. It starts with us first shoring up our foundation before we can build anything else. And so if that's you and you say, I want Jesus, I want to surrender it all, every single area to him. I want you to pray this with me right now. Pray out loud, Lord Jesus, I surrender all, all that I am to you. Jesus, I confess that I was indeed born a sinner in need of a Savior. And so I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave, just as your word says. Now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank God for our salvation one more time? Hallelujah. What a good God. Come on, what a good God.